morning. Um, the passage uh, we'll be reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 14 through 22. It uh, should be on the screen up there. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and anointed him to be head over everything for the church. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. Wow. The effects of the pandemic on not just our church, but churches not only in the United States, but across the world have been far reaching. Some churches and denominations have been adversely affected more than others. Almost every church has had to prayerfully consider what they were capable of doing in response to this public health crisis. And were asked to make decisions for their congregations and for their communities. Many churches have moved and have moved to solely online events, online services, online meetings. Some have gone back, depending on what, you know, which state you're from. Some have gone back to full in-person services. Some churches, unfortunately, have been closed because of the pandemic. But it's likely that almost, almost every church would have been challenged to do some kind of online environment, whether it's, you know, um, Zoom meetings or Zoom fellowship. Some use a Zoom for services. Some use YouTube like, you know, we do. You know, they've been challenged. 
And the question that can be asked is, you know, why do we do what we do <laughs> as a church? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we worship the way we do? Why, why do we preach the way we preach and what we preach? Why do we have meetings or fellowship or whatever? Whatever event or whatever program your church is doing, the question is, why do we do what we do? Some answers might be, well, it's because of the past. It's tradition. And usually when there, it is like that, there is absolutely no change. And when questioned, why do we do what we do? The answer is, we have always done it this way. Sometimes it's personality. Why do we do it? The way we do it, well, because pastor said so. It is the pastor or it's some influential person that dominates and make unilateral decisions about the church and the programs of the church. Pastor said it, that's it. Sometimes, pocket. It's money-driven. Finances, the budget, that drives what we do. Unfortunately, that's true. Sometimes it's politics or social agendas that uh, drives the way churches uh, worship or churches preach or churches are involved in community. I, I, I heard one preacher said sometime, in, um, talking about the, the, the devil... misguiding Christians and tricking Christians into giving them a false identity. And he said that, um, you know, identity, identity theft is one of the fastest growing and one of the most ridiculous ways of, uh, you know, of, of, of stealing from someone. It's the fastest growing, you know, um, criminal <laughs> industry in the world. Identity theft. You steal someone's name and their social security number and their bank account and their everything. You steal someone's identity. And, 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 and the preacher said, um, the devil is actually trying to take away your Christian identity and give you an, a false identity to the extent that some Christians are Republican before they're Christian. Some Christians are Democrats before they are Christian. Some people, some Christians are black before they are Christian. Some people, some Christians are white before they are Christian. And that's a false identity. We are children of the living God first and foremost. Amen? Amen. We're children of God first and foremost. But unfortunately, politics sometimes drives. And then sometimes it's, it's the pews. Mr. and Mrs. Pews. The church pews, that is. Anything we can do to fill them up, that's what's going to drive our church program. <laughs> sometimes it's not even the pews. Sometimes it's what the community wants to hear. 
So we're driven by the, literally by the pagans, by the unbelievers. What do they expect from the church? And what do the unbelievers want to hear from the church? So we give them what they want. Well, sometimes it's, it's programs. The latest fad. I, I, I have a couple students in my school and they, they go to a church and they say, oh, oh, Mr. Mason, it's the coolest church ever. It's the coolest church ever. They've got, they've got um, smoke machines, you know, um, and, and, and music and, and there are neon lights around the, around the church walls and it's the coolest church ever. That's becoming very popular now. You know, we... Uh, Patty, I need for you to write me a check so I can buy some smoke machines, okay, to be here next week, okay? Yeah, and, 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 and loud music and neon lights. Well, really, what is the church here for and what kind of church are we? Are we the source of heartaches? Are we the source of headaches? Are we the source of high blood pressure? Or are we the source of joy and inspiration? The church in Ephesus, no doubt it had its problems. Every church has its problems. There's no perfect church. So the church in Ephesus had its problems. But these issues were overshadowed and they were dwarfed by the positive virtues of the worshiping community. So much so that the Apostle Paul wrote these words. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. Wow. When we kneel in prayer and we mention our worshiping community to God, do we first give thanks to God for our brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, not to, not to compare, but when I, I just mentioned two other churches that Paul wrote to. When I think of the Corinthian church, you know, that church was riddled with, with disorder and, 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 and people trying to outdo each other and, and, and you know, sectarianism and confusion. When I you know, think about the church in Thessalonica, I think about a church who had you know, uh, um, just a, a real big issue, a misinterpretation of the second coming of Christ and the resulting behavior was chaos. But the Ephesus church, wow. Can you think about that? One of their founding ministers, every time I think about you, I'm filled with joy about your love for each other, about your faith, and, 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 I, and I constantly Pray for you and give thanks to God. What kind of response do, do we conjure up in the minds and hearts of Christian leaders who know us? Admittedly, no church is perfect. But when we think of our worshiping community, do we first think of the blessings that that, that community has been to us and to others? 
Do we first think of the saints whose faith in the Lord has been an inspiration to others? Here's a quick check. When a brother or sister have, has a problem and is seeking prayerful support, who do they go to? Who do we go to? When we have a problem, no, not just the pastor, it shouldn't, it shouldn't just be the pastor, I'm sorry, yeah, I, I heard somebody say, well, you, well, it shouldn't just be the pastor, but who do you go to? We go to people who are convinced, who we are convinced are people of faith. Come on now. If we have a problem, we know someone always struggles with their faith. We know someone who is always a Dalton Thomas. I'm sorry, you're not going to go to that person and say, pray for me. <laughs> you're not. You are going to go to someone, a brother or a sister, who knows their neology as well as their theology. <laughs> we go to a brother or a sister of strong faith. A brother or a sister who knows the living of these words. Faith in God can move a mighty mountain. Faith can calm the troubled sea. Faith can make the desert like a fountain. Faith can bring the victory. Amen. Some years ago I was seminary. It was my second year as a sophomore in college. I'm from Jamaica. Seminary is located in Trinidad, over a thousand miles south of Jamaica. I had a roommate from, he's a BIM, I had a roommate from Barbados, Cedric King who couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep with the lights on. So we had a test the following day and I wanted to study. I turned the light on, he complained. I said, okay. I didn't have a bedside lamp. I was a poor college student, okay? Okay, didn't have a bedside lamp. But I did have candles. So I lit my candle, put it on a little stool beside my bed. I had the bottom bunk, he had the top bunk. And under the candlelight, I started to study for my test. And sure enough, I studied and I studied and I <laughs> studied. <laughs> and I dozed off, my hand hit the candle, the candle fell, fell on the rug beside the bed, the rug flared up, whether it was the heat or the fire, itself, the light from the fire, something woke me up, and whether it was the smoke, I don't know, but we both woke up the same time, he woke up, he jumped off, I woke up, I jumped off, my bed sheet beating down this fire, 
uh, you know, there was no water, you know, um, around. So we were beating down this fire, trying to out this fire. And it ended up that the fire uh, actually got into the, um, the, the wooden floor. And, yeah, it damaged the, the floor. We finally got it out. I got burnt on my hand. I got burnt in my face. Um, one thing I got to thank God for, I, I, I'm dead serious about that. I, I want to thank God that I heal pretty well because uh, there are literally there are no scars left from that, from, from being burnt. The next day, these were the days well long before only fancy people and wealthy people had cell phones. So the next day I got, a, I got a, a call saying, you need, to go to the, you need to go to the office. I went to the office, the person in the office says, uh, Patrick, you have a, an overseas call. I said, really? I went to the office, I picked up the phone, I said, hi. It was my mother. She said, Pat, are you okay? I said, yes. She said, are you sure? I said, yes. I said, because I, you know, I mean, I'd had a little burn here and a little burn on my face, but I, you know, I, I was fine. And she said, uh, I said, why are you asking? She said, well, last night I, I, I was, I had a vision. I had a vision of you engulfed in fire. And I, I, spent my, I spent the entire night in prayer on my knees because that, that, that vision of you in fire couldn't, wouldn't leave me. And so I didn't sleep last night. I was in prayer for you all night long. I said, are you kidding, Mom? She said, what, she said, what do you mean? I said, uh... I looked around because I was in the school office, you know. No one knew about the fire. <laughs> I said, uh, um, Mom, I got, I'll call you back some other time I'll, to explain. Thanks for your prayers. <laughs> At a more appropriate time, I called her back and let her know um, what took place. A woman of faith. Even though I didn't ask her to pray, she was a woman of faith. When I think of Agnes Mason, I think not only of a daughter of God, of a child of God, but I think of a woman of faith. When, the, when, 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 when we look at each other, when we look at the brothers and sisters in our community of faith, do we see people of faith? Can we bring our issues? Can we bring our burdens? Can we bring our prayer requests and say, brother, pray for me, sister, pray for me? Because Paul says, when I think about your faith, and of your love for the saints, I thank God continually. We need to thank God for each other. We need to thank God for the people who are gifted with the gift of faith. Amen. But not only faith are we known for love for each other. Paul's greeting is a reality check for us as individuals and as a church. 
Do we think, first think of the small acts of love expressed by a brother or a sister to another in Christ? Or are we so self-centered, so self-centered with the egotistic trinity, me, myself, and I? Are we only thinking of our needs to be met? When a brother or sister pray for us, are they thanking God for us? Or are their prayers filled with intercessions for us to be changed, to be better, to be more loving, to be reconciled because we are riddled with so many broken relationships? This pandemic has challenged us in ways that a few years ago could only have been realized by characters in a science fiction movie. <laughs> There is a wide spectrum of responses to it from some who say that, oh, the pandemic, it's a hoax, it's not real, it does not exist, to those who believe it's the beginning of Armageddon. It's the end, the beginning of the end. Recently, I came across one response that puzzled me. It was actually from a Christian man who had decided he would not wear a mask. What puzzled me was actually not his refusal to wear a mask, but his reasoning behind it. Some people don't wear masks because of medical reasons. They have asthma or some respiratory issues that make it difficult for them to breathe with the mask on. Some people have a sensory issue. You know, they put a mask on and, you know, you know it, it gets a, you know, a reaction, any kind of thing on their face. Some people have a psychological problem with wearing a mask. It just, it just, it's overbearing for them. And for some psychological reason, it just, they just can't wear it. This man gave none of these reasons for not wearing a mask. Instead, I was told he proudly declared, I am not stifling my breath for nobody. <laughs> we have been told that mask wearing is primarily a protection for those around us. Huh? Secondary, it's a protection for us. But primarily, it's actually a protection for those around us. I was of the belief that we are our brother's keeper. I'm not saying that not wearing a mask is not Christian, but not wearing a mask for the reason given by that man certainly is. Are we a community of love? This pandemic gives us a unique opportunity for love expressions. There are 60 million students in the United States. Over half of these students are back at school as remote learners. Some still don't have a laptop, a Chromebook, or a tablet. They don't have access to be taught. So my question is, you know, I mean, to everybody, here and out there in remote world, do you have an old one, an old laptop, 
an old Chromebook, an old tablet. Do you have one stored somewhere that you're not even using? It's just there. Well, why don't you seek out a family in your neighborhood? Seek out a family with a, a need like that. You know, clean it off and erase it. Erase your personal stuff and donate it to that family. You might be helping someone. One of my friends and some of the Christ the King people would know this person. A matter of fact, he preached here um, a few weeks ago. He's volunteering in Boston Public. He's volunteering to be a teacher's aide virtually in Zoom. So while the teacher is teaching her class in Zoom, he's there invited by the teacher as a teacher's aide, helping to keep the other kids, the kids under control. And when they divide Zoom, when they divide up into smaller Zoom, Zoom rooms, uh, Zoom classes, he is there making sure that they're doing their work or giving them help. You know, that's, 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 he's volunteering. That's, that's an expression of love during this pandemic. Recently, I taught a math class, a sixth grade math class, and of that class, I teach both in-person and virtual. So the majority of the students are in-person, and I have two students who are virtual. One is a very bright kid. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but he almost doesn't even need me. <laughs> he will do well without me. He will do well with me or well without me. It, 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 it's literally just like that. Bright kid. The other one struggles a bit. So I got spectrum up here and then one down here. And we did, and so I'm zooming with them while, even, while teaching live. When the class was finished, I told them bye, and I was just about ready to end the Zoom session, and I heard them, I heard the two kids, they were talking to each other, interacting. And the kid who was good in math was helping the other kid who was not too good in math. And so I decided to just observe a little bit. Now I knew they had another class right after this. And, and I said, well, guys, we got to go now, um, and you have a class right after. And he says, oh, no, we have history. Um, Mrs. Barnes doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, Zoom. She, she, records, she records her lessons and posts it online after, so we have time. I said, oh, okay. And then, the, then, the, the, then the, the kid who was bright in math said to me, uh, Mr. Mason, if you have to go, could you, could, you make, could you make me the host so we can continue? I said, sure. So I made him the host, but I didn't sign off. 20 minutes later, I came back, I heard, I went to a meeting, at a, at a meeting with the principal, and I came back, I came inside my classroom, I still heard voices. When I went to, the, when I went to my computer, 
they were still talking. They were not talking about math now. They had moved on from math. They were now talking about history. For 35 minutes, this kid was helping this other kid, and he had not asked. No one had asked him. No one had asked him. He was just so happy. He was just so willing and so happy to help his friend, to help his classmate. And I found out, I mean, the mother of the kid who was helped, she was thrilled. <laughs> Maybe not as thrilled as I was. Because I was, I was thrilled not only that the kid was being helped, but I was thrilled that this other kid was showing love, was showing enough interest and love for his brother that he spent 35 minutes of his time just simply giving information and helping this kid who was struggling. Are we a loving church? Wow. The purpose of the church. The Bible does not leave us uninformed when it comes to the purpose and the centrality of the local church. Paul told the church at Ephesus, he says, I heard about your faith in the Lord and I heard about your love for the saints. The local church exists for God and for his glory. Last week, remember that phrase? The praise of his glory. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be for the praise of his glory. That's verse 12. And then verse 14. Who is the pledge of our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The church is the mirror, according to Charles Bridges that reflects the whole radiance of the divine character. It is the grand scene in which the perfection of Jehovah are displayed to the universe. When we understand the local church exists by God and for God, the local church exists by God and for God. Before service this morning, we prayed. Steve was there praying and he said words almost exactly as that. And as he was praying, I was just laughing. And I, and, and, and I just said, sir, you are praying my message. Amen. That the church exists by God and for God. We see that God's glory, not the need of the saved, not the need of the unsaved, is meant to be the ultimate determining factor for all the churches does. The church does emphasize reaching the lost for Christ. The church does emphasize edifying the saints. Amen. It ensures that both the method and the message of the church brings glory to God. The local church exists to glorify God through worshiping him. The glorify God through living a holy life. Glorify God by what we do and what we say. Our worship services are a means of grace through which God speaks to us and trans transforms us by his word. 
Folks, during this pandemic and over the past several weeks, we have learned so much about what it means to be a church and how many ways there are to be a church without gathering in person or making full use of our church buildings. We have learned a lot, but the question still bears. Does our community function just as a meeting group? If so, <laughs> we're, we're just a community-based you know, organization, and we shouldn't be. We are the church called by God. Amen. We are the church, not the building, but we are the body of Christ. Let us be the body of Christ. Let us be a church that all members are firstly thankful for. I end with this, that Paul says in his words, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Let me stop there. That's my last point. Your love for all the saints. Some of us like to pick and choose whom we love. <laughs> but Paul is here saying about the church at Ephesus, when I first heard, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all, not some, but for all the saints. Amen. We don't pick and choose who we love and who we have a little coldness towards. No, we don't pick and choose that. God has called us to love the brethren. God has called us to love one another. Amen. We don't get that, we don't get that choice. Because you're either a saint or you ain't. And if you pick and choose, it means you ain't. But if you allow God to flow into your heart, if you allow God to just take full control of you and allow the power of God to love the people who we would not naturally love, then that's where sainthood starts. It starts and ends with God. Because God is the one who gives us the power. Amen. God is the one who gives us the power. It starts and ends with God. Let us be the body of Christ. Let us be a church that all members are thankful, are first, firstly thankful for. Let us pray.